Hey now, and welcome to Quantum Drive. I'm Rob. I'm Katie. And our ongoing mission is to discuss every episode of The Orville. Except sometimes we break off from our usual mission and we take side missions in which we interview people from The Orville itself. In this episode, we're going to be talking to Lex Kassar, the senior concept designer on The Orville. This was a great interview, Katie. I This is my first interview ever, just so everybody's aware. But I had so much fun, and I can, I hope and cannot wait to do more things like this. Yeah, this was amazing. We could have gone hours with Lex easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a very talkative guy in the best possible way. So we hit a lot of tangents and stuff and talk about some of the things he specifically worked on, uh, his inspirations, little bit of his history and being an artist and a fan of sci-fi so we covered a lot of topics in a little bit of time so i hope everyone enjoys this also i should warn people just uh up front because we always say this during interview episodes that uh even though our season discussions our episode discussions we never spoil things ahead there are things we talk about in this episode where if you are not caught up All the way through season two of the Orville, it will spoil some things for you. So just be aware of that. If you're not completely caught up, then you might want to save this episode for later. Yeah. Spoiler alerts for 100 percent. Just be aware. But here it is. Enjoy our talk with Lex Kassar. So, okay, so let's let's hop right into it then. So obviously uh, you came in on what? Season two? Yeah. Right at the beginning of season two. Right before season two started. Okay. And how long, this is like totally off topic of the Orville, I guess. But if we're jumping back to like little Lex, uh, what was, what was the, uh, little Lex, what was the thing that kind of piqued your interest in art to begin with? Um, I, well, I always just enjoyed drawing. Like if if I want to go all the way back to like my earliest memories, um, really just just smashing stuff together, whether it's crayons, pencils, building stuff, it just, like creating, right? I like to make stuff. Yeah. Simple as that. That's, that's where that came from. The drive to just build things, you know, whether and that's the other thing, not even just art. Like, you know, I, I have other interests outside of what is considered art that I still, I guess, consider art. Mm-hmm. I think art, I think art is not a broad enough term, to be honest, hmm. even though it's used as a broad term. Sure. I think, I think, uh, engineers can be artists. I think scientists can be artists in their own way. Like art is creative thinking and creative thinking applies to everything, but like it's also that, that, um, that urge to create something, not just to be creative, to create something. So I think engineers and designers and all that as well. So I like, I like building like stuff. I built myself like a doom buggy and stuff like that. Like I love that kind of thing. So just that's a long winded answer to say, I like to make stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't we all when you, when you're scribbling and kind of like getting into art in the beginning as a kid, I know there's a point that comes along where you're like, I'm just drawing this thing for a while now do you remember what that like initial thing was for you like after all the doodles and the sketches you were like oh i like the way that looks and i want to draw like that um i actually never got that i'm really i'm a a bit of a scatterbrain (laughs) so for me my struggle is always trying to not become the jack of all trades master of none okay My, my interests are wide and varied like i love to do a lot of things my biggest problem with life is that I don't feel like I have enough time. That's that's the truth. Mm. Don't have enough time and don't have enough time to commit to certain things. Like mm-hmm. I, if I could do everything, I, I would. I mean, 
I've, my interests are ridiculous. They are a long, crazy list, and none of them make sense between each other, but that's that's me. Yeah, so I never was like, oh, I'm just going to draw this. I guess, the, the you know, even though I got really heavy into sci-fi and, sci- and fantasy, I still really enjoyed, you know, even as a kid, because my parents took me to a lot of art galleries and stuff, I still enjoyed modern art or portraiture and a- anatomy if we're just going to talk art. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, it was never one genre, one theme, one kind of material. It was always everything, right? So, everything from pop art to, like, interpretive dance. Like, literally. Like, I loved all of it. And I still do. So, does that answer the question? Absolutely, really yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Is there a thing... So, you mentioned you have a ton of interests out there. Is there something that is, like, way out on the, like, perimeter of, like, this is a thing I'm really, really into, but no one would ever think this is a thing I'm really, really into? Uh, I'm currently listening to a lot of... um Oh my god, what's the name of that band? Let me look it up right now. It's basically it's a very odd band. Very odd, very very on the outside skirts of yeah. things. The best way to uh describe them is like like v- Victorian vaudeville doomsayers. <laughs> it makes <laughs> Uh how do you find a band like that? How don't you? No, uh, I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, so the set designer, uh, our assistant art director, Kit Stolen, he's the guy that's responsible for a lot of the interiors that you see. Okay. So pretty much like the interior of the, the Orville and any interior set is pretty much Kit. Kit's, Kit's the man. He doesn't get a lot of uh, recognition, unfortunately. Not from our end, it's just he doesn't have much of a social media presence. Mm. And Kit, if you're listening, yes, I'm going to get you on art station. It's going to happen. But he's he's fantastic. He's amazing. And we go back and forth over just a bunch of like really niche things because that's who we are. Mm-hmm. So um, through him, I found out about, I've got the band. It's going to come up. It's almost in my hands. In fact, if you're going to listen to a song by these guys, you want to listen to The Crack of Doom. And that's the Tiger Lilies. The that's tiger the name of the band. Lilies. Yeah. And get ready. It's it's nothing you've heard before. It's the simplest set. I'm writing this down. <laughs> it's okay. We're the recording band, this. The band, the Tiger Lilies. <laughs> And the song is Crack of Doom is in my playlist right now. And uh, it's even better if you watch them on YouTube. Yeah. Because, oh, oh okay. boy. Absolutely. It, will do. it just adds to the experience. They did a whole um, musical experience that was uh, all H.P. Lovecraft based. So that's that should tell you something about. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. That's the kind of tangent that you probably didn't expect we'd be talking about. <laughs> oh, dude, watch out, man. I'm OK with tangents. I'll Sweet. rant forever if you're not careful. <laughs> Uh, so you talked about too a little bit your history of uh, getting into sci-fi and geeky things with your art and stuff like that. What were some of the initial like fandoms that you latched onto? Oh, I mean some you know really general ones like Star Wars, of course, Star Trek, of course. Like mm-hmm. big into both of those. Always loved both of them. Never understood the the hate or the war between them. Same. Always thought that was ridiculous. Yeah, also especially considering one takes place in a galaxy far, far, far away. Like, come on. <laughs> They could be in the same universe. Why are we doing this? Anyways, um, so those are those are those are the, like the easy ones for sci-fi. Um, things like Aliens was really big into Aliens, especially as like uh, growing up in the eighties and nineties with all the Aliens versus Predator comics from Dark Horse and all that, where they really fleshed it out and it was so good. And no movie's been able to do that. But um, you know, also fantasy, big fantasy fan, of course, Lord of the Rings. What a great book! It always felt more like you were reading an actual history. Then you were mm. reading fantasy novels, so that's that too. And yeah, I mean, just it keeps going. Like those, those are the those are the easy ones. Um, things that are a little bit more particular are things like I uh, was a big anime fan growing up too, as well. 
So, but never like anything that was Dragon Ball, like nothing that was too over the top. Okay. Like I, I'm always a bit of a, you got to suspend my disbelief and you got to work for it a little bit kind of guy. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it, I'm not just really ready to turn my brain off. I'm bad at that actually. And it kind of sucks sometimes because there's some things people enjoy. They're like, wasn't that fun? I'm like, well, <laughs> let's talk were, about a few. Why weren't they wearing helmets? It was a firefight. They should be wearing helmets. <laughs> it's like, Lex, really? It's like, sorry, man. What do you want from me? Um, so stuff like that. But, uh, like, uh, the original Battle Angel, the actual graphic novels. Yeah. Okay. Love those. Love those. I thought the movie was good. The movie was good. But it again, surprised the mo- me that it was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it was good. It's the shame. The shame with Battle Angel is that it's such a long, beautiful story arc. And each book matters mm-hmm. that I always felt the only way you're going to do that is if you're going to do it in a miniseries, like Game of Thrones, because it really has that much story to tell. And that's what a lot of people don't understand, mainly because there's been a lot of things that have ripped off Battle Angel oh, since yeah. it first came out. Mm-hmm. So everyone goes to see the movie and they're like, well, that's like this. It's like, well, actually, <laughs> that stole from it. But yeah, what are you going to do? That was a big thing with uh, mm-hmm. when the Shannara Chronicles came out on TV. I talked to the author um, of those books before, and a lot of fantasy stuff kind of took a nod from those stories. And I asked him flat out, like, are you worried that people are going to look at you as a a thief of these concepts or just borrowing? And you're the originator, though. And he was like, I'm not worried. Like, it's all just out there, man. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? That that happens so much in this industry, right? Whether it's. Film, television, whatever, comic books, entertainment in general, right? Video games. You have a story to tell. And if your story is taking a certain amount of time and someone gets to elements of your story before you're done, do you just stop? I mean, you can't. You got to continue. You got to try and still tell your story. Yeah. Because there's probably nothing worse than committing a chunk of time to something and then just giving up on it. That, like, that's my, <laughs> like, just hearing that makes me want to, like, puke. Because <laughs> I might have some of my own personal projects that I've been working on, yeah. where it's like, oh, that's kind of like this now. Shit, you know. But what are you, what are you gonna do, man? You gotta. But it's still, it's still. Even if there's something out there that's like the thing you're doing, it's not the thing you're it's not doing. Thing. It's missing your voice. Yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the zeitgeist, right? You gotta always like just kind of accept the fact that the the zeitgeist of the human race, the fact that if you've grown up in a certain time, there's other people thinking and experiencing all the same things you are. So it's gonna happen. Yeah got to deal with it in terms of a uh, trek is there a trek that you identify the most with or you con- consider your trek mm, that's a good <laughs> question damn how, how dare you sir uh, put I me feel on the spot like that i don't feel exposed so much as like i better answer that right i'll never sleep god jeez <laughs> okay well i could say that the one that i gravitated to when i was younger was TNG, mm-hmm. because even though I'd watched the original series, Next Gen was my series, right? Really loved DS9, because I loved that it still felt like it was in the Next Generation universe, but we got to see more outside of the Federation. And I love DS9 for that. I mean, I really do. DS9 had such a beautiful cast oh, yeah. of characters. Come on. And the way that they all got to tell the stories and all got to take the spotlight was great. I think DS9 kind of gets kicked around a little bit by some people, and some people love it. I, I think it's I'm on the love it side because it really fleshed out the universe of Star Trek. Because up until that point, we'd really just seen the Enterprise and its crew. Mm-hmm. And they might go here, they might visit mm-hmm. here, but really, it's the Enterprise and their crew. Where Deep Space Nine became about Star Trek as a whole, and that's so cool. So, I might have to say DS9. Ooh, 
you know. I feel yeah. like DS9 is getting the love now that it never really got when it was on. I mean, a lot of people that went from TNG to DS9 did love it just because it was the same universe and we had the crossover characters and stuff. But yeah. it's getting all that due now, which is odd. But, but it's interesting because for me, it's like I couldn't love DS9, I think, as much as I did, though, without TNG. Mm. So for me, mm-hmm. for me, honestly, like I know they are separate series, but for me, they were always just one one big show because it really does lead right into it yeah yeah they overlap so that's what's so cool. yeah so that's what's really cool to me is that it really just felt like one giant show voyager branches off just enough to feel a little bit separate yep i like voyager i think voyagers had a rough start but mm. i think in the end voyager ended up becoming another great show it also was uh one of the best looking star trek shows on television for the time too true very like true. it really became mm-hmm. very cinematic they did a good job with that show and then enterprise hit <laughs> <laughs> that's the one katie and i have not seen and all. again you know what yeah. that show actually came into its own in the later seasons okay. later seasons but i gotta tell you mm-hmm. i can still remember to this day being so excited for that show super excited even willing to give it a chance even though bacula was the captain i got nothing against scott bacula but i mean anyways so i remember <laughs> sitting down i was in college <laughs> Ready and waiting to watch this. There were a bunch of other geeks like me around, and we were all ready. We got the TV on, and it comes on, and that theme song hits. And I was just, <laughs> it's been a long time. I'm like, what the Fortis. Is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. The first Star Trek uh, show with lyrics in the theme song at all. Mm-hmm. No. Doesn't it doesn't belong. belong. Very, Anyways, very so yeah, no. DS9. Mm-hmm. Long, yeah. long answer again. You gotta be careful, man. I, I give long answers. Even though DS9 is your show, <laughs> is there a captain that you consider your captain? Mm. Boy, boy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Damn it. Um, well, Picard. Yeah. Uh, uh, mm. You know, and it's not even like having grown up on TNG. It's just he's still, Patrick Stewart kind of nailed that ideology of the Federation without it becoming either too goody two shoes. Or becoming like, I need to wrestle with it. Like, he never wrestled with it. Whatever mm-hmm. he wrestled with was how hard the decisions were to make in the moment. But the act, what's, what the Federation stood for, he understood that. Okay. And he was, and he was meant to be, he understood his role as a captain to, to prove why that had to be what it had to be. That makes sense. That's actually why mm-hmm. I'm a little like hesitant with the new series because it's like, oh, he's abandoned the Federation. That doesn't feel right to me. Like, I always felt like Picard would do, he would die before not fighting to make sure that the Federation was what it was supposed to be. Mm. Like, for him to walk away to me mm-hmm. is like, whoa, shit, you better have a really good story for why he's walking away. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. had the same worries, but the fact that he said, like, it would have taken a story like this to make him come back gives yeah, me some so, sort of confidence. So if it's making, yeah, if it's making Stuart happy, then I'm willing to give it a chance. Yeah. Especially, you know, he's been so through so much as a character card and to still like be in it was was a thing like to still be a part of the federation was like proof of that so anyways yeah picard yeah picard nice mm-hmm. yeah uh all right so getting into orville stuff because of course we got to get to orville stuff eventually <laughs> mm-hmm. that show what that show that? that show speaking of star trek let's talk <laughs> I've about heard it's okay yeah it's pretty good uh yeah, <laughs> so You've done, I've looked at your work uh, that you have on ArtStation and oh stuff, and, and it's fantastic. Oh, thank you. That's too kind. And and obviously, Trek has to be some sort of an inspiration, but I imagine, I imagine one of the things you run into a lot <laughs> is uh, not getting too Trek. Yeah, of course. 
or to anything really so are there certain things that you do as an artist to differentiate the kind of look of the orville well the thing is, is that we kind of have some keystones right we have uh we have some looks that we enjoy from uh different series mediums whatever it may be so for instance uh mass effect the video game oh sure there's some design cues in that that are actually very Sid Mead. I don't know if you guys know who Sid Mead is. He's a he's a pr- very prolific concept designer. He's probably the concept designer. He's kind of like the granddaddy to all us concept designers. So he started in the 50s. He was an automotive designer at an art center, Pasadena. Okay. And um, an incredible designer, but he started doing more science fiction things. But because he had such an amazing background in illustration for designing cars, his designs weren't kind of like that funkier design that you find in the 50s, where it's a little bit more fantastical. They were really well thought out. Mm. So everyone's like, oh my God, Sid, this actually mm-hmm. looks like a proper spaceship, or this is like what it might look like in the in the future. Uh, his, his designs always stood above. So he was kind of like the granddaddy, again, to concept design, which is, instead of just being fantastical art, where we're like smashing things together, we're trying our best to suspend your disbelief and make you go, yeah, this is real. Okay. So... Mass Effect takes a lot of his uh, cues off his design style in that. So Mass Effect is a big touchstone for us in general because there's a lot of great kind of like curvature and stuff. And um, in a lot of the uh, – I keep forgetting what their their union is called. It might even be called the union. <laughs> I can't remember. I mean, there's only so many times you can say Union Federation Alliance before right. like <laughs> – like, yeah. Anyway, so um, – so we take some cues from that. We take cues, of course, from Star Trek. We take cues even from Star Wars. We take cues from Blade Runner sometimes, mm-hmm. like a lot of the bigger things and even smaller things. But I try to always interject our my own personal tastes. Here's the truth into it, right? So I feel like that's what's going to make it unique is to also know what Seth likes, mm-hmm. know kind of where our touchstones are, and then say, hey, what am I trying to get in there, right? Okay. Because if, if it's something that I think is from something that's completely different out of left field out of all of those, but it still fits. That's what's going to make it us. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not mm-hmm. the only one too, right? Because I'm a, I'm on a team. So if someone else has a great idea that interjects something new and different into it, then I run with that because I'm not territorial about my designs. Sure. Like I don't, that doesn't work in a team environment. You can't be like, it's all me. It's just <laughs> my, my, I design everything. Like, no, that's not true at all. So I design a majority of stuff, okay. but again, it's, it's a, it's a collaborative effort. I'm the brainstorm guy, sure. right? That's okay. the way you got to look at me. Mm-hmm. So I'm the start. I'm the one like Seth and the writers and Goodman and all those guys, John, all those guys, Kassar will all come up with like, a cool idea in a script or something that they want to do, or even it's after the script's been written, I'm like, oh, how about this? And I'm just the guy who's like scribbling stuff on a napkin going like this. Yeah. This is, yeah. <laughs> right. Except mine's, mine's a little bit more involved in a pen and a napkin. That's all. But okay. then after that, you know, the set designers will get to it and they'll flush it out. If it's a set design, uh, the prop master will get to it with his guys and they'll go ahead and make it a reality, like by drawing up proper plans and stuff. I'll do like views of stuff, like for mm-hmm. props, like front, back, three quarter, but I'm not going to sit there and like, Draw up exactly how you're going to make it, right? Okay, I, right. I don't. That's not me. Like somebody else can goes does that. Same thing with VFX. VFX will take a design for something I did, or a skyline design, or something, and then they'll run with that and do it properly and build it all up in 3D. Okay. So I'm I'm just the brainstorm guy. Okay. Just, uh, I'll print a picture. That's what I do. <laughs> what is it like though when you create something and then you see it essentially come to life? It's horrible. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely it's amazing i mean uh it, it sometimes it sometimes can be a little funky because sometimes you'll see someone like take it and they'll run with it and they might even like do something that was even better than what you designed you're like oh yeah that's 
And people are like, good job, Lex. It's like, yeah, that wasn't me, man. Like, I, I, I feel like I inspired that person, but they did the job. So, first off, I've got that Canadian bomb in my neck because it was born in Canada. So, I'm super polite. Like, if I'm not, it goes off and my head explodes. So, when people are like, wow, you did all that. I'm like, no, don't say that. So, I'm always trying to make sure credit is where credit's due. But it is, it's always, it's always really cool. I mean, especially with props, because props is something you hold in your hands, mm. right? And same with yeah. sets and costumes. So, like, with all, all of those things, like, being able to walk through something that you've been involved mm-hmm. with, I mean, that's the coolest thing. That, that's what gets the kid in me so excited, because I've always wanted to create worlds, you know? And I mm-hmm. still want to create something outside of just film and television. Like, I love to, there's, there's a tabletop game I'm working on right now that I've been designing for a while. I'm not going to plug it or anything because it's no, nowhere near. No, if- Oh, okay. No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, not ready to be plugged. Stage, okay. we'll, we'll talk then. Don't worry. We'll okay, talk then. Cool, I'll send cool. you guys a copy. You can play and review it for me and be like, this is Portis. Um, oh, oh, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, it's just fine. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, then get ready. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, uh, but like, I've always wanted to get involved with also like theme parks and experiences and stuff like that. That's why like um, the Orville experience, as successful as it was and as cool as it was, I really want us to go the distance with the next one. But again, I'm only involved with that to a point. So, sure. But if they let me, oh boy, mm-hmm. if they let me. That was something that didn't really get announced until like right before San Diego Comic-Con, right? Like that was kind of yes. in your back pockets for a while. Yeah, that was uh, that was something that we, well, because there were some things going on behind the scenes. Nothing like bad, nothing dramatic. Yeah, it yeah. just, it takes some planning to do that. And for the longest time, we didn't know if we were fighting to get the show floor or not. Okay. Right. For Comic Con, and in the end, I'm glad we didn't. I don't think we need to be on the show floor. I think the problem with being on the on the con floor itself is a you need to be in the convention to get to it, mm-hmm. which most people are in San Diego to go to the convention, so they have badges. It's not necessarily a huge problem, but anyone that doesn't can't, which kind of sucks for locals. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, too, if you've got something on the show floor, it's really hard to manage lines. It's hard to get people in and out. It becomes one of those things that's like, you can see it from the outside and only the very special few get to go yeah. in. I hate that. I hate that because that's not mm-hmm. us. That's not our community. That's not our show. That's not who we are. We don't, we're not about like, oh, we're the premium. You have to make sure that you're cool enough to watch us, like, or get us, or like get into our thing. Like, no, that's not who we are. We're the Orville. We're, we want, we want everyone to come along and have a fun time. So I like the idea we did something that was free. Like, just walk on in. Yeah. What do I got to do? Nothing. You might even get a free book here and there. Like, we were giving out free stuff. I was, like, walking around taking pictures with people. I don't I think you guys were. Yeah. So, anyways, the point is, is that that's us. And I'm very happy that's what the experience reflected was us. Yeah. You know what I mean? I love the fact that the the themes of the show are reflected by the people that work on it. Because this community has been so accepting and so welcoming. And not just not just the fans. Uh, but the the people that work on the show, you, Tom, all the anybody I've talked to, the other content creators that make Orville stuff, it is like I've never seen this kind of a community. And I've been a part of a lot of fandoms, but this one <laughs> is just so like, please come in. We we want everybody in here. Yeah, and it, there is there, and I agree with you. I've been a part of a lot of fandoms and still are that have all gotten toxic at one point or another, or now are still toxic mm-hmm. and. That's really sad to see because that's not the point of a fandom. The point of a fandom is that you're escaping from reality, especially nowadays. I mean, we don't have to get into talk about reality, but oh boy, we're living in the bad alternate timeline. That's right? what we are. We're in the mirror universe, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We're not, yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to escape that. So when people want to just 
bring all that toxicity into like into fandoms or something. I just don't get it. And to not see that happen in ours or or see it spread out, sprout up all of a sudden and then quickly be squashed mm-hmm. is great. That's the other thing I've seen. So I've seen like a little bit of toxic here and there in our in our community, but it's disappeared pretty quick. And not like under an iron mm-hmm. fist or anything, just like people being like, All right, sure, you be toxic. Go for it. I'm not gonna engage you. Yeah, there's no the fires are there for like a little bit, but nobody fuels them, so they just kind of yeah, fade away. Exactly. Exactly. Because what's the point? What's what's mm-hmm. the point of that, right? Like why? <laughs> Is that really what you want to do with your free time? Right. Okay. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, mm-hmm. I do I love I love I love a community for that. And I also, you know, it's it's people that are um keeping that spirit alive like you guys you know there's the truth you're the voices of the community to a certain extent and that's fantastic it's it's nice to have voices that are level intelligent i mean your podcast is great i've listened to it so i listen oh, to thank it level. you well of course well, of yeah, course i'm you. a podcast guy like i listen to all these podcasts when i'm working like crazy hours painting stuff i can't listen to the same song 300 times so i want to listen to <laughs> you know so and you guys you guys are very kind and very fair to us and i can't thank you enough. That's a big deal. As I pump you up. <laughs> oh, I'll, but, <laughs> but honestly, like it, <laughs> we'll take it's, it. It's nice though. It's nice. It's nice that yeah. we're we're part of something where people want to have an intelligent discussion about it. Mm. Right. That's mm. that's a big deal. Uh, talking about your designs a little bit, there were a couple that stuck out to me, and I'm wondering uh, mm. if, if those were things that you came up with completely. Like, so I know you're a gamer, and I looked at the controller. No, that you made. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know. Outing you, uh, it's fine with me. The, the controller you made super cool. I love the like colors and everything on it. Um, but also the Kalon head cannons. Was that <laughs> a concept you came up with, or was that something they said we want to work them in? How would we get that to work? Yeah. So the, basically, the script came across my desk, and it was like, and then suddenly, boom, their eyes open, and it's guns. Okay, cool. <laughs> so. So I was like, all right, how do we do this? So my first actual designs for it were quite, they were a lot more reserved than that, actually. Okay. So the thing is is that I kind of go both places, right? So I got to think from a practical standpoint a lot with my designs, too. It's like, how big can I go with them? And how much do I have to actually say, what can we afford? Mm. There's always, there's always a line that I'm, that I'm kind of towing when I design stuff is because, oh, yeah, I could design this crazy elaborate thing, but if it's going to cost, Half the budget, it's never going to get made. And then, more importantly, if it's going to cost half the budget, Seth sees it and goes, okay, everyone's going to look at me and be like, thanks, Lex. Thanks a lot. So, <laughs> my initial designs for the Kalon head guns were actually quite simple. Like, they just, it was just a panel, like, their panels just came out, the panels that you see there. Uh-huh. It was more of, like, side panels than the front. Okay. Right? And, like, this little kind of beautiful, elegant, like, almost like those railgun things that you see kind of in the design. Because they... Then VFX took them and made them more like barrels than, than rail guns. Yeah, yeah. Right? Which, mm-hmm. you know, that's cool. I'm glad they did that. But at the same time, there's a part of me that's like, I wish you kept the rail gun look. Um, <laughs> so that it was like just these like elegant rail guns that came out of the side of their heads and kept their eyes actually there. Because the eyes okay. becoming the barrels weren't necessarily a thing at first. So mm-hmm. even in my designs, you'll see like the eyes are still kind of there. That was something VFX decided to go with. It's like the eyes that we see the entire time are actually just gun barrels. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind. Whenever you look at Isaac, you look into his eyes, you're looking into gun barrels. Right? Yeah. Oh, Isaac, I love you and your gun barrels. It's almost <laughs> like he was lying at one point, too, because he said these are purely aesthetic. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I, but I mean, he had to lie, right? Right, right. He had to lie. He couldn't let those mm-hmm. dirty humans know what was up. But again, like, that's the other thing, too. Like, just a quick aside here is. Every show has to have a little bit of leeway between what it's written before and what's a cool new idea. Mm-hmm. 
And the cool thing, again, about our community is that no one was like, that's it, I'm done. Yeah. I'm out. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you could have said that, too, about, like, Isaac when he was shoot on the planet with the kids and Claire. Mm -hmm. You know, why did he break those out? Mm -hmm. Right? And there's a lot mm -hmm. of reasons you can justify it. He didn't want them to know because the Kalons didn't want anyone to know that yet. That kind of thing. But, the, again, no one made a big fuss. No one made a giant fuss about that. And I've seen other, we've seen other fandoms. We've just talked about it where mm -hmm. little things like that can cause people to just like skyrocket out of control. It's like, just calm down and enjoy the show. So again, those, 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 those guns <laughs> got a little bit off topic, but those guns, <laughs> when, when, when I first showed them the more simple, elegant design, it was, it was too simple. Okay. It was too, too reserved. Seth was like, no, no, I wanted to fold out like transformers. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Fold out like Transformers it is. Here we go. So I wanted it to be such a different look than everything we've seen Kalon, right? Everything we've seen Kalon is very smooth, very elegant, mm. right? One of those things when they came out were just like, you know, like uh, like they felt like Decepticons almost yeah. out of Transformers. Yeah, yeah. Like just uh, even though I don't like those 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 films designs, although Bumblebee was really good. Was. But before that, they were all, they were all just a little too over the, over the top because it kind of lost their silhouettes point is is that i wanted them to have that kind of like if you put your hand in there it's not coming back out kind of thing mm. you know what i mean just like it looks like it just shreds stuff up so that's why it's all these aggressive angles that's why it was such a different look from the rest of the kalon so when they got their business face on it was like oh yeah oh, we're dead so that was the idea you might even say that it's exposing their true intentions, intentions. yeah exactly like yeah, yeah exactly mm -hmm. this is true kalon katie you looked like you had something to say <laughs> No, I just was thinking about that whole episode, the identity episodes, and how my mind was blown during them because I I love Isaac, like I really do, so do and I. just yeah, I still do. I just I just was that's all. I just kind of went down a, my own head trail <laughs> so thinking about. This the is show. all I'm going to say without spoiling anything. You're going to love season three. Oh, oh, I'm excited. We are very very excited for season three. Has anything kind of changed mm -hmm. on your end? I know the big talk about season three is the move to Hulu and everything, but has anybody changed kind of in your department as a result of that? Um, so uh, the big change for us is that, and I know there's some people that are worried that think that moving to Hulu is a less than thing. Mm -hmm. I've heard that it's quite the opposite. It's like us moving to HBO. Like yeah. we just went from being on Fox to now being like. A Game of Thrones equivalent, like get ready. We're we're upping budget. Like we we're making. <laughs> when Seth's like, I want to give you a movie every week. He ain't lying because <laughs> we got we got the first four episodes, first four or five episodes, and it's like, oh great, yeah, we got to make this by when? <laughs> oh god. So <laughs> that's why I've I've literally been going to work. I get into work about quarter to seven, and I leave on average around eleven o'clock at night right now. Wow. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. It's a, lot. it's a lot. It's a lot. I've had to work some weekends through that too. And it's a lot, but you know what? It's, it's funny. It's, it's not necessarily anyone forcing me to work those hours. It's just, I'm in a position where I have to know what I need to get done so I don't become a bottleneck. So that's always the problem with being, um, a, the concept designer, the senior concept designer on the show and pretty much the only concept designer in, in, in my department, <laughs> like for what I'm doing. So. Because of that responsibility and, and because it's like only me doing what I'm doing, if I'm not on top of it, if I'm not pumping out all those designs, mm -hmm. other departments are sitting around going, so what are we doing? Right. And we can't have that. We have, we have production dates. We have shoot dates. We have all that. So because of all this awesome stuff that we're doing, like the, and the, <laughs> and that one part where he, <laughs> Yeah. So because of all those awesome things that are coming, we, we are, and it's not just me. I'm not the only one saying like, there's other people too. But, um, 
because of that, we really have to get into high gear. Yeah. So uh, the thing that's changed is that I'm just doing more, which is awesome. I'm doing more. Like I've got more to design this season, more more cool things to bring to life. So for me, this season is is going to be awesome. I, if you guys really loved last season, I gotta tell you, man, this season. I know we've been saying it because we can't reveal too much when we say it's going to be great and it's going to be awesome and it's going to be bigger. It is. It is. That's not just like us hyping you up. It is. It's it's all those things. So get ready, literally, for a movie every week. Yeah, I know there were some people that were disappointed just because they're going to a pay service. But at the same time, like, you got to look at the potential in that because, and Seth has said these things, mm-hmm. too, that, like, you're not bound by the same episode length. It gives you more freedom. You don't have to leave things on the cutting floor that you would have included, stuff like that. We don't have to deal with the act breaks as much, like, and insert a commercial here. I'm very excited for the move, personally. Yeah, I am too. Great. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I, I think you should be because again, it's 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 making the show better, not worse. I mean, I, I get I get not wanting mm-hmm. to go to a pay service. Look, all of us are juggling budgets and and are and in this economy, like it's not like we're all rolling around in money just throwing it at everything we can. We're all living on a budget, mm-hmm. so I get that. Like even us, we don't at our house, like we don't we don't have cable, and we jump between streaming services right like when hbo when game of thrones was still a thing we never had hbo until game of thrones would show up we'd have it during the run of game of thrones then we get rid of it and that would be my suggestion to people that are orville fans sure get it for the length of the show then get rid of it you don't it's not like you gotta get it now no one's asking you to buy hulu now don't <laughs> don't do it unless you need it like that's that's my thing and you know I, and i get it i get not wanting to pay more money for something especially something that might have been already part of what you were watching mm-hmm. or free depending on where you live because i think fox was a local channel for a lot of people right mm. i'm bad at that so it was somewhat free you know what i mean so i get that i really do but again you know we're making a product there's the truth and that product needs to have some money behind it and so it has to have money behind it sometimes you got to pay for it there mm-hmm. it is you know yeah. and i know that i know that sucks for some people and i and i really have nothing to say but sorry but when you get a chance, watch us in any way that you can. Uh, here's a, a kind of weird one with your art stuff, too, is you have some experience as an actor. <gasps> I noticed as well. Does that... Oh, oh crap. <laughs> does that come into play at all when you're designing? Like, do you think that absolutely. forward? Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I try to make sure that what I'm designing has... Depends on what it is. So, like, let's say, for instance, I'm designing a prop that is going to be used by an actor. I mean, all props get used by actors. So, well done, Lex. Um, But my point is, is let's say it's a, let's say I'm designing a prop. So, I want to make sure there's enough action there for not only what's in the script, but also for what the actor might want to do with it, right? So, I'm trying to think of that. Same thing with sets. Same thing with, like, whatever, uh, like a a pitcher vehicle. So, like, let's say some cool sci-fi vehicle. Any of those things I'm trying to think beyond just does it look cool. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think about what are the actors actually going to do. Like, again, this is Kit Stolen and I. We both, we powwow. We're in the same office right now. We have our own little room. It's kind of like the brain trust where we just sit there and pump out ideas for uh, designs and stuff for the Orville. And we're always constantly not just thinking about does it look cool, does it have a cool style to it, but how does it work? Why does it work? What's it got to do? What's it going to feel like in an actor's hand? How can an actor actually sit there? How can they use something? All those things, right? Mm -hmm. So always that. But then also on on another tangent is that my acting experience is a lot of voice acting too. So, and people are like, what's that got to do with anything? Well, voice acting for me, you always kind of had to create a story behind your characters beyond the script because that all you had was your voice. Yeah. So you had to kind of come up with a bunch of like other content 
uh, I always try to create a little bit more beyond the story that maybe no one ever hears about, mm. right? Maybe it doesn't make it anywhere, but in my own head. And that helps because that helps inform the design, right? I, w- I really want things to be believable. I want you guys to look at something and go, yep, that's what that is. I don't want you to be like, oh, because as soon as your disbelief is no longer suspended because of one of my designs, that's the worst offense I could probably ever do Mm. as a designer. Because again, I'm that guy. I'm that guy going, why aren't they wearing helmets? Right? So like for me, I really want to make sure you believe everything that you see. Right? So I guess in that regard, does that make sense? Sure, totally. Take something and create a little bit more. Yeah. Is there an example of something that comes to mind for you where you did kind of create a little bit of a, a background to it that maybe we we wouldn't know about because it just was not in the script or anything. Yeah, it's a laying horse, the Evic. Yeah? Yeah. That So the Evic was an interesting design because I had a lot of restrictions okay. on it too, right? It's like, we want to do a creature design because we haven't really done one this season. We have to have a cool creature for Zalea. We want to do this graceful horse creature. But the thing is, is that we don't have a ton of a budget for it. So it's only going to be on screen for a certain amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. So why pay a crazy amount through the nose for this super complex creature? Okay. So it was like, these are the things you can actually mess with in the design its head its feet its tail so otherwise it's a horse <laughs> right so yeah. it's like okay uh right so i had to design something that still felt like it should have a horse's body but the little additions made sense it wasn't just a, a horse with a mask on right right so that was my biggest fear in fact mm-hmm. the original design of the evic it had four eyes not just one because I really wanted to push at least that. I wanted to make it feel a little bit more alien by having four eyes. Okay. They were still like horse's eyes, necessarily, like in look, because a horse's eyes are very, I, I feel, are um, very approachable. Horses are very, pro- I love horses. Sure. So I'm just going to say that really <laughs> out loud. I'm a horse guy. I love riding. Um, so I really wanted to keep that, like, that approachable sense to it. Because again, like, you don't want her being like, it's an Evic, and she's walking up to it, and it's like, <laughs> like, <laughs> Zelayans have a weird concept of cute. Um, so the idea behind that thing, actually, because it's um, because again, they're they're like on the coast islands. Maybe we don't. It's never really discussed if like it's an on an island or not. I think it's an island, right? The mainland. They say it's an island. Yeah, I right? believe yeah, yeah, yeah. so. I mean, regardless, they are like you said yeah. on the coast. We but, can see the but water again, and it's, everything. It's it's very tropical. Mm-hmm. It's yep. very like coastal waters and all that stuff. So the idea for the Evic was that it's. Maybe like a not necessarily reptilian, but it's a equestrian reptilian. So it's kind of got like, you know, as you see in the tail, the tail's a little bit reptilian where okay. it has that long tail for balance. But the reason behind all these decisions, especially the ears that you see and like the beak, is that it's it's made to um, like hunt like uh, hard shell life forms like on the, the seacoast. Oh, so that's okay. actually the idea. That and like hard shell fruits. So I like the idea of like that's why it has that beak is that it's actually like whatever a Zelayan lobster is or crab, it's running around the coastline going into water about like as deep as it can get and just like, like quickly grabbing huh. them or like going within like little seabeds and stuff and like going in there and doing that kind of stuff. And the, the idea behind the ears is that they're actually made to, um, that's, it's like, that's actually how it finds its prey. It's kind of like echolocation. But like it's super, super powerful. So it can go through water and even like sand and stuff like that and find it. So you just see them running along the sand line after the tidal waves come in. And as the waves are going out, it just like runs up, bam, dives its beak into the like the ground and like grabs out a lobster or something that's underneath, you know, like Zelayan lobster, uh, whatever that is, a zobster. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quote me on that. Don't put it in a wiki. Seth will kill me. 
You made up a softster? I don't know, man. Look, you work on the show. It's canon now. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it's canon God. now. And we'll have another interview next week where I'm like, I'm not on the show anymore. Um, so that was the idea. The idea is like, it's, I really want to make this thing make sense, right? And even though you have no idea about any of that mm-hmm. when you're watching it, you're still watching it go, yeah, okay. Yeah, there have been a lot of things that when we're yeah. watching episodes we've commented on, like, it's not something you particularly notice, but if it wasn't there, then your brain would go, what's what's wrong here? Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly. And, th- and that does happen, right? You watch a show and you're like, why am I not? Yeah. Why am I not digging this? Like, I don't. <laughs> I'm going to use a show as a just. <laughs> I'm gonna use I'm gonna use this show as an example, and um, because of what show it is, you guys are gonna be like, "Oh no!" Um, well, let's talk about Star Trek Discovery really quick. Okay, let's do it, mm-hmm. but with a preface. Okay, I think everyone working on that show is super talented. I think they put together a really great show, craftsman wise. I think it's a lot of work to put that show together. I really like who they casted. Actually, I think there's a great group of actors on mm-hmm. there. Agreed. I think I think um, if it wasn't Star Trek, I'd love that show. Yes. I was going to say that. Yeah, I, I was agree. Say that. I agree with you. Yeah. And, and it's not me knocking it. It's not me knocking that show in any way whatsoever. Because I don't want to knock a show. Because it's it's people working, right? Those people all have families. they got to pay the bills. And there's a lot of time and mm-hmm. money put into that show. It shows. So that being said, can I spoil something from that show on here? Do I, you guys do spoilers? It's been a while. I'm okay with that, personally. Yeah. Spoiler go, go for alert it. <laughs> for Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> okay. There's a scene. Last season mm-hmm. with a torpedo. I don't know if you guys have seen this show yet or not. I've seen season one. Okay, so in season two, there's there's a mm-hmm. torpedo that gets lodged into the side of a ship. Okay, so I'm not going to try and spoil too much. But the point is, is that the people that go down to deal with said torpedo are the captain and an admiral <laughs> because they're the most important people on the ship. Mm-hmm. So send them to the explosion. They should be thing. dealing with it. And then it gets just worse from there. Like, <laughs> oh boy. for instance, there's things like, so the per- torpedoes just lodged in the hull just perfectly enough that there's like atmosphere not venting into space. They're just standing around the torpedo. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe they threw shields up about it. Okay, we'll get over that. But, but my point is like, it just continues, the scene just continues to get worse and worse. And you're just sitting there going, yeah, I'm not believing any of this. Right down to the, right down to the point that one of the characters sacrifices themselves to protect the other character behind a blast door that's right next to the torpedo and the torpedo still just goes off. Oh. So wait a, wait a second. Oh. And the ship's fine, by the way. The ship's fine. So I sit there, you gotta ask yourself, it's like, so why'd you go down there to even bother with the torpedo if it could have just went off? Why did either one of you have to die here? It's just, right? It makes, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's that kind of stuff that I'm happy that we don't do. Just saying. I I do the same thing. Continuity errors or anything takes, takes me right, right out, out of it. it. And I like notice them. Yeah. So I appreciate that about right Orville because I notice Katie those knows things. what I'm talking about. So yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> Is there any episode that's like particularly meaningful to you that you've worked on uh, so far? Ooh, ooh, that's a good question. I know that might be a hard question. That is question. a hard question because I think what we have going in the Orville, which is really nice, is that there's a a through line through every episode. There's a major through line. Mm-hmm. The entire, it really like watching us in order is a deal. We don't really have one offs. I don't feel like we didn't, we did in season one, but I feel mm-hmm. like in season two, especially looking at season three, that's not our case. Like everything is flowing into the, each other to make it one big story. So it's, it's hard for me to pick just one. Um, hmm, if I had to really think about it for season two, the one that, and I can't, 
I can't. I can't. It is hard. Yeah. Like season season one, there yeah. are more kind of standalone type things. Even though you're you're following character arcs and stuff like that, there are more standalone stories. Mm-hmm. Season two is very. I, I guess I could say home because yeah. there was a. I did a lot on home. Mm-hmm. Home was a lot of work. Um, so that was kind of cool being, being able to bring Zalea to life, especially knowing that was a fan favorite was like, this is awesome. Also totally terrifying, <laughs> right? Because I was, because there's a part of me too, that sat there going, it's a high gravity planet. So what does that mean? And Seth's like, no, no, don't, don't worry about it. Like it's a high gravity planet, but they've evolved at a different, you know, they've evolved with different materials, different, all this different stuff, even like organically they're different. So it's not the way we got to look at high gravity on earth. I'm like, oh, Okay, cool. Mm. Because otherwise, it's like all squat stuff, like stuff that has to, you know, like withstand crazy gravity and not like super high structures and stuff like that. He's like, no, that's that's not the case on Zalea. And then, of course, I did it. A lot of people loved it. And of course, the, all the arguments came out. Not all of them, but a few arguments came out. Like it's a high gravity planet. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> but it's all relative, though, right? Like but it's if all they, relative. If they exactly. Lived it's in that environment, yeah. why would it look any different, like conceptually, from? What what our planet might look like aside from like their culture and stuff and it's as simple as this. There's a lot of arguments for it. There's a lot of arguments against it. The question is, where do you turn off your brain? Yeah, right. Like because yeah. again, I'm a guy who's all about suspending disbelief. But again, there's per- people even worse than me, and I get that. And we try to cater to as many people as we can. But you know, we're the people that are really super hard science beyond even like scientists. Sorry, guys, we're doing our best. <laughs> so. <laughs> I think yeah. there's there's a little extra forgiveness with a show like The Orville, too, because especially in season one, I know it, the tone has shifted a little bit and it's getting more and more serious as we go. And I love that. Yeah. But like when it starts off very comedic, you kind of go in with a certain expectation like, OK, we, we let a lot of stuff slide that we might not with another more serious show. Absolutely. Because that's the thing is like if if. If you look at some, there's been some science fiction shows that are just really trying to push the tech, push the science, but they're not really, they're doing that, but they're also not following through. And because of that, eh, it doesn't work out. Yeah. Whereas if you sh- look at a show like Firefly, if you look at a show like, uh, even a movie like Star Wars, where it's not just about the tech, it's about the characters. It's about having characters that are relatable, mm-hmm. funny, lovable characters. You're willing to, again, like you said, look past some of these smaller potholes, look past some of these smaller details because it's just the stage that it's set in, right? It's a very believable stage, yep. but in the end, you know better that it's just a stage, and it's really about the characters more than anything. And I, I think that's what's great about our show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love our cast. I mean, not just the actors. I mean, I love the characters. The characters are awesome. I think we have great characters. I, I, they're all different enough from each other, and they all have great interactions between each other that I feel like there's never a filler episode. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. important. That's super important. Yeah. I mean, we all love TNG and they mm-hmm. teched the tech more than the Orville has ever had to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were, they were the, uh, they were the tech masters. Yeah. <laughs> tech, tech jargon, babble, babble. tech jargon. Here it comes. Yeah. Like yeah. crazy. So do you, what, when you're uh, at work, do you get to spend time on the set and see the filming and stuff like that? Or are you stuck in your office working on concept No, no. Uh, the, the sets, the sets literally just a walk away. Oh, okay. I, I do spend a lot of time in the office a lot of time at my desk. But again, it's just the nature of what I do. Uh, I have been on set for a few things when they're filming them, but again, most of the time I'm working while they're working. Mm-hmm. But uh, for instance, I got to sit through uh, Scott in the cockpit of the Krill Fighter, which was hilarious. Yeah. That was fun. He's the one that came up with a lot of the Top Gun references. Really? Yeah, it was Scott interjecting <laughs> them. Um, and of course, like, then Seth bounces ideas off of that, and like, and then 
goes further with it because that's what's really cool about Seth. Seth is a really collaborative dude. He'll just tell you when he doesn't like something. Mm. And he doesn't like tell you like, no, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. It's like he tells you in a very, very nice way. Like it's it's always open communication with him. So again, that's the coolest thing about working on the show is that it's a lot of collaboration. It's a lot of people bringing something to it. And that's the whole point, right? We We get hired on the Orville to do our jobs, not to fill a position. Some productions you you do, you're filling a position, but you're being told what to do exactly to the like micron, mm. and it's you might as well just be a wrist, right? Not actually. Be, that's that's what we call that's what we call in the art world when someone wants you to design something, but you're not designing it. You're just literally like they're they're, they're puppeteering you. And I'm going to use the nice term instead of the, the horrible term about that. But um, basically, like that's not us on the Orville. Like people are given jobs and are allowed to run with it, and if you know. Seth doesn't like something, he'll tell you why. And that's what's so cool is that he's not one of those guys that comes up and goes, oh, yeah, yeah, just make it cooler. Like, <laughs> make it cooler. Uh, or like spelt six different movies that don't relate to each other and like, you know, like that. Like, what? No. <laughs> he, he's, he's got a really methodical mind in a great way. Like he really tries to think things out and say, why does this work? Why is this the way it is? Why does it look the way it is? In fact, he had a really good design note the other day. So we were designing something. I'm not even going to like tell you what it is. But the point is we were designing something and uh, a lot of the parts were exposed. Hmm. And he's like, I don't think of it like that. Think of like an airplane. We know there's a lot of complexity going on in an airplane, but all we see is the airplane. Hmm. Right? So like little things like that that come out of his mouth are like just super helpful from a design standpoint. Because, again, he's got that visual mind. Right? Yeah. He comes from a visual base. So it's great. It's freaking awesome. I love working on the show. So I know this has started with like, do you see the set? But of course I ramble and rant. Um, but yes, I do see the set and I visit it actually quite often because we go there either if it's for inspiration for something that we're designing for the set or we got to go check something that's being built on set, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. We see the set a lot. Being someone that uh, kind of sees how the the dinner is made more or less, the wizard behind the curtain, do you still get to enjoy the show in the same way that a regular fan would watch it or do you feel no. like no 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 i don't get to enjoy it like the regular fan would because there's no there's no surprise right mm. that element's gone that element's gone that's always that's always kind of the one little bummer when you're working on a show that you love right is that you're not going to have mm. that now it doesn't ruin it i don't want to say it ruins it it doesn't ruin it uh if you're working on a good show it doesn't ruin it because then you get to watch and you're like oh it all came to life and you know, because yeah. the other thing, too, is I'm not sitting in the editing bay, right? I'm not sitting and watching all the footage of shooting. So I still don't know all that part. I don't know what's necessarily being shot. Well, I know what's being shot, but you know what I mean? I'm not seeing what's being shot most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I poke my head into the editing room every once in a while and, like, with Tom, I'm like, oh, show me that sequence. Oh, that's cool. You know what I mean? But otherwise, I don't see the entirety of the show until it hits. I'm waiting around just like you guys. And much preferably love to wait around just like you guys i don't want to see it in pieces i much rather just see it in its entirety mm. but again the only thing that's really ruined there is that i know everything right so mm. all those beats all those jokes don't hit like they could if that makes sense yeah, absolutely. they still hit pretty well in our show but they don't hit like they could right so that makes sense in that regard yeah mm-hmm. katie anything you want to get in there before we're getting close to that hour i i mean do you create any art just for fun like just yes. on the side yes. do you Tons. I, I don't stop. I don't yeah. stop. I can't stop because the truth is that, look, someone, there's a couple of things that are, this is, this is a good last question. <laughs> it doesn't have, and by the way, it doesn't have to be a last question. If you guys only go an hour, I get that. It feels like an appropriate I'm, last I'm, question. I, I'm, I'm here for you. So if you want to talk more, I'm all about it. 
Um, but the point is, is that for me, you got a, you got to be doing your own art in addition to what you're being paid for. So you don't go dry in a sense, because, uh, it's kind of like staring at something for too long. You start to lose track of what it actually might look like. I don't know if you guys have heard that before. Like sometimes you got to take a step back from something that you're working on, 100%, take a yeah. break. Yeah. And come back and mm-hmm. then, Oh, you suddenly notice this, this and this, you know what I mean? So it's that kind of thing. You got to like refresh the brain a little bit. Um, more importantly too, what I might be working on for art isn't necessarily what's going to get me better in a certain field, not field, but certain, um, aspect of art. So like, for instance, if I want to be working on my anatomy and get better at my anatomy, which I'm, you know, all artists are constantly doing anyways, it's not necessarily going to happen when I'm designing a bunch of environments. So I probably want to do mm-hmm. a bunch of anatomy sketches in my off time, stuff like that. So there's that. Also, I've got a, a, a live stream, as you guys know, a mm-hmm. Twitch channel and that's actually helped a lot because um, it's helped get past my artistic block. So my big thing is that when I wasn't working, I was having a really hard time doing my own stuff for a long time there because I was just like, I'm finally off. I don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything with art. Mm-hmm. And um, or when I did, I would just like overthink something and would be staying on like a, a like a, a face and trying to work it out for like six hours straight. It's getting crazy. So. What's nice about live streaming is that you have an audience. You can't be <laughs> just working on an eyeball for six hours straight. And more importantly, <laughs> they expect things. So unfortunately, the only thing that's gotten in the way of the stream right now is work, which is, you know, understandable. But otherwise, it's great because it's kept me making art in my own time, which I love to do. Like, I love to make art. So it's kept me kind of honest to myself in a way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I make a lot mm-hmm. of my own art in my own time because I have to because it's, it's how I'm going to grow as an artist. It's the only way I'm going to get better. It's the only way I'm not going to get stagnant. Because if you get stagnant as yeah. a visual artist, that's the worst thing that can happen. If you get comfortable, you get left behind. There's the truth. You know, yeah. and especially with the digital age. I mean, in the digital age, art mediums are changing weekly. Yeah. Like, I mean, now you can do stuff in VR. You can build everything in VR. I mean, it's just, you know, we got 3D printers. Like, everything is just ramping up, ramping up exponentially. So, you got to stay ahead with that game. You got to stay current at all times, man. It's also... You got, you got, here's, here's something else that's part of that. <laughs> here's something else that's part of that is, it's also that zeitgeist thing, right? What is, what is the language? What is the form language of the time of pop culture of what people expect? Yeah. Right. So like a design in the nineties for something isn't necessarily going to fly now. Right. So you, you got to mm-hmm. stay current with what's out there. You got to stay current with what other people are designing. You got to stay current with what, what's happening in film and TV and video games and, and whatever, anything. So that way, your designs don't get left behind or become archaic or become unbelievable, right? So it's – I live, breathe, and eat it, and I try to find time for – I think I got a family, I think. My <laughs> wife and kid are around here somewhere. So, you know – Somewhere yeah, around so here. So, like, that's the thing. It's like it's this constant juggling act. Like, people are like, oh, you're a designer. I'm like, no, I'm a juggler. That's what I am. Like, because it's, mm-hmm. it is that. It's You're just constantly juggling everything. It's that great – there's this great little animated meme, and it shows three sliders – and one of them is work, one of them is healthy lifestyle, and uh, one of them is uh, satisfaction. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And you can't get any of them to be equal. So if you want to do, do you want to do work and uh, family time, like all the way up to the to the top, like satisfaction just drops because yeah. you got no time for yourself, kind of thing. I think it's not satisfaction; it's something else. But my point is, that's it. You can. It's like you never can get enough of anything. Like my weekends feel like they fly by. I feel like I never get enough time with my family. Yeah. Of course, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but at the same time, I'm like, but I should be working. 
it's psychotic, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Like that's in the back of my head going, should be doing this, this, and this, because if I'm not doing it, we're not going to get it done in time. Like it's just, I feel that so great. hard. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing, the thing that I always, the only thing that I can make peace with it when it comes to that stuff is to know that I tried, right? That I didn't just mm-hmm. turn off. Cause this is going to get a little personal, but I'm okay with that. Um, uh-oh. Uh, ba- basically, I was having a hard time there without getting too much into crazy details. I was having a hard time there when I was getting off work, doing my own stuff like I just talked about because I was just turning off. I was literally turning off. I was almost giving up in a way, right? I was like, no, I'm just not even going to bother. Mm. Not even going to try. Not even pick up a sketchbook, right? To the point where it's just like gaming, like not to the point like I'm ignoring my family. This is like after the kid's gone to sleep. Yeah. I'm not a bad dad. <laughs> <laughs> no bad dad. That's always what I say. No bad dad. Good dad. No bad dad. But like <laughs> once my responsibilities were over and it was just me and it was my own time, I would just waste it basically, mm. right? And some people mm. are like, well, that's not wasted playing video games. And I agree, it's not wasting. But if that's all I'm doing, if all I'm doing is doing something that's not giving back to me, like in my soul, mm-hmm. basically, and I'm not like a religious dude by any means, but what I mean by soul, I mean, am I going to walk away feeling like I wasted my time last week or am I going to walk away feeling like at least I logged what I needed to log in or at least I tried to, at mm-hmm. least I attempted to get better within whatever whatever mm-hmm. aspect it was of myself. It could be whatever it is for you. It could be that you're a writer. It could be that you physically want to get more fit, whatever the hell it is. Like I want to read this book, those goals we set for ourselves, right? As long as we try. As long as we try, we can walk away saying, at least I'm trying, at least I'm giving it, at Mm -hmm. least I'm doing something, you know, because hard schedules and hard routines never work, right? You end up like, oh, I'm going to do it. I've kept to it for 30 days straight. And then you break once and it's like, ah, Fortis. (laughs) (laughs) So like that, that's a thing for me. It's like, as long as I give it my, my best college try, I'm okay. So anyways. Mm -hmm. I like that. I, I'm in the same boat. So I understand. I just, I like to try at things and do my best to feel like I did something. Yeah. And that's what's important, Katie, is that, you know, you just, you don't, you don't sit there going, at least I didn't give up. At least I didn't ignore it. Right. Because ignoring it is almost Mm -hmm. as worse to be completely honest, where you're just like, yeah, it just piles up. Oh yeah. That Mm -hmm. comes back and bites you in the middle of the night where you just sit there staring at your ceiling on your pillow going, I'm not going to be able to turn my brain off tonight. (laughs) Great. Yep. Oh, man, I think oh. that's a really good place to wrap it up. We didn't even get into the Twitch stream or anything. I, you sure? So before you don't we want to go, talk about it? Yeah, I, 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 I do, I do want to ask before we wrap up. Yeah. So how is, how's yeah. your experience on Twitch been so far? It's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, I've slowly but surely made a small community. I'm not, I'm not like a partner yet or anything like Katie that, is. but I was able... I know. <laughs> oh. I know. How did that happen? I don't actually know. Um, but good on you. Good on you, because that's 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 hard Thank to do, you. man. Getting those like 75, 70 mm-hmm. concurrent viewers like all the time, that's fantastic. Good for you. So like mm-hmm. I haven't been able to reach out yet. Um, but I am affiliate, which is cool. I'm really enjoying that. Um, you know, and it's good for me because the truth of the matter is, in between shows is where I'm really gonna be able to fly with Twitch, mm-hmm. right? Because I started it kind of late. I was like, oh, I'll start this. I've only got a month to Orville. I'm like, wait a second. That's so stupid. Why didn't I start this? Like, because the time in between seasons, I was doing very little. Mm. There's the truth. Not out of choice. Like, I just didn't get a lot of work. I didn't get a lot of freelance. Because sometimes that's just the way it is. You hit dry spells. And that's the problem with the entertainment business mm-hmm. is that it's not nine to five. A lot of people are like, oh, you must love it. You got an easy job. It's like, <laughs> 
Like, you get paid so much. It's like, when I get paid. Like, and then the other time, I'm like, let's make sure we don't, like, can we just eat air? Can we do that tonight? Like, so it's like this weird juggling act again. So, but uh, I had all that time and I really was kicking myself after, like, starting Twitch, like, only a, a month or two before starting Orville again. I was like, man, I really should have started this earlier. So that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that in between seasons, I can really dive into it. I'm actually doing TwitchCon oh. this uh, year, 2019. I'll oh. be there. I'll be in Artist Alley. I'll be booth 21. So I'll come, come find, find you me. Yeah, we'll have I'll have prints. I'm yeah. gonna be doing a little art book too and stuff like that. So, but come by. We'll give you some free stuff. You don't have to pay for anything for sure. <laughs> okay. I'll pay for it. Well, you'll you get a discount. <laughs> Maybe you'll get it at cost or something. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but um, but my point is, is that I I think Twitch is great because again, it's for me whether it's Twitch, whether it's Mixer, whatever it is, it's a way for people to have their own channels, right? It's a way to. I mean, people are like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what it is. It's your own channel. But again. Growing up in the 80s and 90s, and anyone before that, too, is that's a big deal, though. It's, it's a massive deal to be able to broadcast yourself. It is. That was never an option. Mm-hmm. That's so cool, man. Being able to actually, like, say, hey, this is me. This is my thing. Want to support me? And not for free. Like, I am giving content. That's great. I love being a content creator because I already am a content creator. Yeah. So being able to have my own way of doing it, my own way of reaching out in the world and, and being able to work from home too while doing that. So I can spend time with my kid and my family. Like that's so cool, man. I, I, I think we're living in an amazing age for that. Even though we're living in the, like, again, the, the bad timeline, we've got some cool things. So I love Twitch. I think Twitch is great. And I think you gotta be careful, right? I mean, there is, there is things you gotta, you know, keep in mind with Twitch and live streaming and all that stuff because it can be manipulated against you if you're not careful mm. and all that fun stuff. But um, it's 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 worth the risk as long as you keep your mind about you, I think. Agreed. Yeah. Yay, Twitch. Well, Lex, this has been absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much Thanks, for coming on the show. Uh, please plug your Twitch channel, social medias, anything you want. Get it all out there. Uh, do you have? Uh, do you guys have a, like, a little descriptor for your podcast? Like a little description and all that fun stuff? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. That goes along with your show? Do you mind if you just throw the, the links in? <laughs> I can do that too. The yeah. links in there. Basically, what you guys are looking for is good-natured villain. That's that's my um, that's my tag on everything on social media. So on Twitch, on Twitter, on Instagram, and that's spelt in a very strange is, way yeah. because we'll, we'll link art- it all in the show art- notes. Art, yeah. So look for the link there because I'm an artiste. But um, it's also because uh, it just got too long. I couldn't actually write it. But basically, my 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 online persona is good-natured villain. And some people are like, why do you call yourself the good-natured villain? Because, honestly, it's not just me. I think we're all good-natured villains. So let me just get into this really quick and I'll let you go. Do but it, please. I- I'd love basically, to hear it. Yeah. Basically, we're human beings, right? Sure. Whether, you're, whether or not you do everything you can to be a good person and not, like, affect the planet, just because you're born, you have a bad footprint. Mm. Right? And I think a lot of us, at heart, are good people. I really, I really do believe that. I think a majority of people are born with mother like from a mother and they care about people and they don't want to see people get hurt and they do want the best for the majority right i i'm a bit of an optimist that way i believe that a lot of people feel that way right they don't want to see other people get hurt right right there are some people that do but we're not going to get into that but at the same time just by existing the human race has done so much damage and even just by continuing to exist we're going to just do so much damage that we're just good-natured villains at heart man and we got no way around that so that's what we all we're all good-natured villains. It's a good way yeah. to put it. So that's me being all like mm-hmm. philosophical. I'm gonna shut up. I'm gonna shut up. So <laughs> go follow him everywhere. <laughs> go follow me. Follow me. <laughs> follow me to doom. 
Quantum Drive is a production of the Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on the Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. If you'd like to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus podcasts along with other perks, you can visit our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can follow Quantum Drive on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod and me at the Rob Logan. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Twitch at Katie Peters Plays. And Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E. Please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we may read your review on an upcoming episode. Finally, questions and comments can be sent to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. We're out of here for now, but we'll see you soon in, in the, the future. future.